Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, good evening and welcome along to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. We're three again. I'm still here, Connor Clancy, your host. Vito Doria is still here, but returning, Kev Pogzowski. Kev, you look very orange. Uh, that's the lighting. It's not uh, completely <laughs> my tan, um, but thank you. Did you get a tan? I, I got a bit of colour. I'm always, I'm always away, as the wife tells me, so I've always got a bit of colour anyway, uh, thankfully. Yeah, you are always away, but where were you this time? I can't even remember. Uh, I went to the FIFA Club World Cup in Doha and then uh, actually had a holiday for a few weeks in uh, the Philippines. That was about a month ago, was it not? Uh, I got back from the Philippines last, uh, well, this time last week. Okay, and the Club World Cup was? Uh, It started the 16th of December, so yeah, I've I've been away about a month. It's a nice holiday for you, Kev. I wish we could all jet off like that. It is what it is. My winter um, break. Welcome back anyway, Kev. We're not disappointed to see you. Okay. <laughs> uh, Vito, thanks for rejoining us again this week. Yes, uh, it's good to have the trio back again. Um, and yeah, just a bit of good news, a bit of bad news. So yeah, it's a bit of a mix of events. So yeah, happy to keep going on the pod. Bad news, obviously, being Kev's return. Um, if we've all yeah. finished walk, watching baffling clips from Sky Sports News, let's get to the sorry, action, shall we? We'll start at the top. There are new league leaders. Juventus are clear at the top. They beat Roma 2-1 at the Stadio Olimpico. And, Kev, this game was over in about, what, eight minutes? Yeah, I kind of hoped for a little bit more of a fight from Roma, considering um, Lazio had won the the day before, and they want to keep in touch with their neighbours, but uh, some awful defending meant that it was largely over within the first 15 minutes. Yeah, it was quite disappointing, right? But 
I guess th- they kept it at two. They did get something of a comeback. Diego Perotti scored a penalty in the second half veto. And did you ever think that Roma were going to overcome that two-goal deficit? Uh, not with uh, great confidence, to be honest, because, yeah, just uh, Roma, they're that kind of team. They're good on their day, but sometimes they might have a bit of a off day. And uh, and also, we'll probably talk a bit more about this, is that uh, they lost Nicolo Zaniolo in the first half. And he's a player that provides a bit of uh, spark and a extra inventiveness, although they do have a few other flair players. Zaniolo in particular, I think, uh, is someone with his grace and inventiveness. Um, Yeah, he's going to leave a hole in that Roma team for the rest of the season. Yeah, you've brought him up, Vito, so we'll stick with you for it. Um, He is a big loss, right? Because they do have other creative players, but they haven't got another like him. He's arguably the most important player in their attacking unit. even at his age, at 20 years old, I think uh, that's a valid point. You have someone like Lorenzo Pellegrini, who's a effective player, but I think he's someone that provides more drive, effectiveness, and in a way, direct directiveness as well, directness. So someone like Zaniolo, he's someone that can sort of work through all the tighter areas. He's not someone that can just go in one direction. He'll mix things up, and uh, before he injured his knee, that was an incredible solo solo run that he went on. So to be stopped by Rabio in that moment, and then you'd think it's just a trip and stuff, but then he kept on screaming in agony, and uh, he looked really distraught. So, yeah, I think um, Roma, to sustain a fight for a Champions League spot, it's now just become tougher because of his absence. Yeah, the run was amazing as well. The, the second best run of the Serie A weekend, I would argue, after an amazing one that Gervinho went on tonight. But uh, no, less of that. Zaniolo is obviously a really important player, not only for, for Roma, but also for Italy. And Kev, I'm sorry to make you speak about international football, but uh, Zaniolo's mother was speaking today about how Nicolo is aiming to be back for the Euros. He wants to play, but he's ruptured his ACL. Even if he's back, he's not going to be at his best, and he's a huge loss for Italy. Yeah, absolutely, and I think as, as terrible as it sounds, he's very young, and for fear of damaging him further in the future, to rush him back for that, I think they need to just take it on the chin and just uh, find alternatives, you know, because it would be amazing considering the injury now if he got back in time for the Euros. You do think that if he's fit, and even if he plays, what, three games for Roma before the end of the season, Mancini will probably select them, just on the off chance that, I don't know, he could come on an extra time in a knockout game and, and do something, because Italy don't have anyone else who can do what he does. Yeah, they, they do have the benefit of being one of the, the multi-hosts that they're going to be based in Rome as well, so they've not got to sort of fly him halfway around the, the continent to, to play games, so... If he's got his home comforts, if they've got the the setup to to assist with his recovery, then then there's there's a reason why you'd also maybe include him in the squad because uh, you haven't got the travelling involved. No, it's a fair point, and the games are in Rome too, so he actually doesn't even have to leave his house yeah, probably. Um, but that's quite convenient. So fingers crossed, Nicolas Agnolo can get back as soon as possible. Someone else who damaged their ACL, not to the same extent, it's not ruptured, but he will also require surgery. 
is Mary Damiral for Juve. He, he scored the opening goal after just three minutes, and he was excellent. People are our very own Dov Schiavone actually was saying that he's he's now better than Delict, and he's become so important for them. I think he's only played in seven Serie A games this season or something like that, Vito. But in the last month, his importance has just grown and grown and grown. In the last few rounds, he essentially took the starting berth of Delict. I suppose that with the huge uh, transfer fee for Delict and the great Champions League campaign he had with Ajax last season, there was probably that expectation or or desire to see Delict play more regularly. But although Delict's had some good games, he's had his fair share of bad ones as well and made a few bad errors along the way. Demiral is only about a year or two older, well, actually just one year, but he looks like he's got more experience on him and has been far more composed. So for Juve to lose him at this stage is not ideal, especially when you consider that Giorgio Chiellini, he's probably going to still be out for a little bit longer too. Kev, Cristiano Ronaldo scored a penalty. The big man delivering in big games. Best player in the world. By who? <laughs> by, by him. And- uh, I don't know. I, I I feel I came back, or it was it was just as I was coming back, where he's got he got his first Syria uh, hat trick um, the other weekend. I don't know. They just the whole PR machine for Syria and Juve goes into a bit of overdrive when uh, when we're talking about Ronaldo, and, and I think it it's kind of stems from this long-standing rivalry between him and Messi, and I don't know. He yeah, he took he did exactly what he needed to do. He scored the goal, but it was very early in the game. You know, if Roma would be managed to pull it back to 2-2 and then he managed to net the winner in the latter stages, then I might be a little bit more impressed. He just did exactly what we expect Ronaldo to do. But what do you think of his hair? Oh, his hair's, hair's horrific. It's strange, it has, isn't it? Since he started wearing that Alice band. And yeah, but he's, he's evolved it now. So he's got, he's got a, what do you call it, a utensil in his hair, but it's no longer at the front. It's now holding together... Something of a man bun, which a man bun doesn't work with that hairstyle. I mean, look, we've got Ibrahimovic in Serie A now, so if Cristiano wants advice about how to pull off the man bun, I would suggest giving Zlatan a call because he's been doing it for about, what, 15 years now? You'd like to think that his close family and friends just say, no, it's not working for you. It's not a look. (laughs) It's not a look that's good on you. Cut it off. No, because people people who say yes. no don't get to stay around Cristiano. Isn't that how it works? He wants yes men, yes people. Um, Absolutely. Otherwise, his ego might get a little bit bruised. But actually, the Roma deserve to lose this because they wore blue at home. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't think we were going on to kits this week with the 150-year <laughs> kits for both Cagliari and Lazio. But yeah. As soon as I see that, uh, it's like, well, yeah, okay. Start them on (laughs) one point. No, I've just started keeping the kit talk out of the running order so you don't know it's coming. So I get more of a sincere reaction from you. But the reason you are in our top alone is because Inter Inter were lucky to get a point. They welcomed Atalanta to the Stadio Giuseppe Miazza. They went 1-0 up very, very early. But Vito, Atalanta roared back, smashed them, and were very, very unlucky not to take all three points. Yeah, they were very unlucky for two reasons. Uh, well, one is that Lewis Muriel missed the penalty and it was saved by Samir Handanovic. 
And the other reason is that Rafael Toloya was unlucky not to get a penalty himself in the first half. Right. Don't get me started on this. This is unbelievable, right? I'm, I know Inter Twitter was having a little meltdown saying, oh, Zapata pushed Lautaro. There's a video that shows Zapata pushes Toloy. He doesn't touch Lautaro. But if this happened four years ago, I could say, right, fine. It's easy to see how that would not be seen. So what... What's the person operating VAR doing when that happens? Because we Having saw... Having coffee? Quite, yeah, right? But we saw quite quickly that, oh my God, Lautaro has just rugby tackled Deloitte's leg. How has it not been given? And the, the referee designated, the guy who assigns it all, Rizzoli, said today that, oh yeah, it was a mistake. But it, it shouldn't be happening, Kev. I don't understand how it happened given that there's someone watching a screen. Yeah, I, I didn't see the game live, but I watched the highlights and I saw the steals and it looked really obvious. And then it was even more shocking because so many players protested. At that point, you think that would initiate the, the officials going to VAR. I think if if it had happened, you know, somebody's picked it up and they've, they've made a still of it and it, it, makes it always makes it look a little bit worse. But the fact that the players protested directly to the officials at that time and the ball went out of play after that so there wasn't it wasn't as if there wasn't a break in play um yeah just leaves you dumbfounded as to why it wasn't reviewed and and, and a penalty was given it was one of those when the ball dropped it's it's a tap in he's a yard out effectively an open goal because andanovic is on the ground to the left and as up you're kind of thinking how has toloy not done that something must have happened for him not to be able to kick the ball a yard and then the replay comes out. I really liked that. Um, there was a, a slow-mo shot of the, the protests. And Duvan Zapata clearly didn't see what happened. Because he sees that his teammates are protesting. And Zapata's just kind of like, oh. Um, and he gestures to say, oh, someone pushed someone. Because that must be what happened. It was, <laughs> it was wonderful. Zapata just getting involved. Not knowing what he's actually claiming for. But yeah. Definitely should have been a penalty, and that was before Lewis Muriel was on the pitch, too. So, Ruslan Malinowski would have taken it, and, I mean, you see the way he kicks a ball. No one's saving that, not even Samuel Randanovic, who did save a penalty later on, because Lewis Muriel, I think, with two or three minutes to go, missed the penalty, but Andanovic saved it. It wasn't a great penalty, in truth, but Andanovic veto, he saved, I think it's 35% or something of the penalties he's faced in Serie A. 30 of 70 it's mad absolute madness yeah he's got such an impressive rate and i think um yeah now yeah i think he's either equaled paliuka or he's eclipsed him now so uh, i think that's a testament to Handanovic and the incredible record that he's had with inter and also before that with Udinese. he's uh he's always been a superb shot stopper and from penalties there's hardly been anyone else better in Serie A, especially in recent years. Yeah, it's a freakish record because obviously a goalkeeper isn't the favourite when there's a penalty happening. And Muriel's actually quite good at them too, which I don't know. But Atalanta, they just hate penalties. They've missed, I think, three this season. There was a season recently where they missed like seven. Back in the 90s, there was one where they missed 10 of 11. They've always been terrible at penalties. Is there a curse on this club or something, Kev? It's got to be a curse, right? Well, curse or they need to do a bit more practice. 
but uh, I don't know. I saw your tweet saying that Gomez had been taken off them. Maybe they need to purchase a, a penalty kick specialist. Maybe they should grab Perotti from Roma. Yeah, I'd have him. But Lewis Murray is supposed to be this. He's good at penalties. Malinowski's good at penalties. Ilicic has missed a few. He's supposed to be good at penalties. I don't know. It's weird. But the fact that it's gone back for so long, it's, it's something that goes beyond this current crop of players. It's really strange. Martin Derone hit one last year, which was the best penalty I have ever seen for all the wrong reasons because he hit it about 50 yards over the bar and wide at the same time. It probably would have gone for a throw. It was horrendous, but I like it. It's, I think they should probably just start asking, no, can we have a corner or a free kick or something instead? I know penalties are good, but give us a free kick 30 <laughs> yards out. We'd prefer that, but I don't know. Atalanta are good, aren't they? Mattia Caldara, by the way, he's back. He, he left Atalanta 18 months ago. Didn't play a single Serie A minute since. And he's returned. And Vito, I think he's going to do very, very well back in Bergamo. Oh, yeah, I think so too. Um, for our listeners there, have a read of Connor's piece. I'm going to read that too after this. So check it out. And... From my point of view, I think it's excellent that he comes back. Although the defenders now at Atalanta are good, but uh, Caldara is just another level. And under Gasparini, he was sensational. Uh, He does good things at the back, but I think what he does going forward, especially contributing at set pieces, uh, I think uh, Serie A defenders are going to have trouble containing him when he's fully fit or... You know, once he's match fit. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him in the Champions League. I think uh, a greater European exposure would be excellent for him. So I'd like to see him, you know, provide one of those towering headers in the key Champions League game, you know, whether it be against Valencia or if Ladeo progressed to the quarterfinals. I think, uh, yeah, I can just imagine the excitement if he finds the back of the net in Europe. Yeah, well, I did write about it, as Vito alluded to. Um, So head over to ForzItalianFootball.com and read that. But one of the things I mentioned is, is exactly what you said. He, he's so good at the back and going forward. And There was a game in February 2017 when Atalanta went down to the Stadio San Paolo to take on Napoli. Caldara put them ahead early enough with a header, got on the end of a loose ball after a corner. And then Frank Kessie got sent off in the second half. So Atalanta kind of backs to the walls at the San Paolo, 1-0 ahead, holding on for dear life. And Caldara intercepted a Napoli attack. And rather than just, I don't know, look for the big man Patania up front and boot the ball at him and hope it sticks, I think it was, was it Milik closing him down or it might have been Zielinski? He dinked it over his head, gave the ball to Spinazzola, Spinazzola bombed forward and Caldara just goes with them. Then once they arrive towards the box, Spinazzola dinks it back to Caldara on the edge of the box and he volleys it. I mean, pass Pepperena 2-0, goal, done. He scored twice and they've beaten Napoli away. And that kind of sums up exactly what he is. He's technically brilliant. He can score. And he's so, so calm at the back. And it's that calmness that I think is going to bring a lot to Atalanta. Because Palomino and Toloi, good servants, good defenders, but they can be absolutely headless. And since Caldara has left, I think Barat Jimshiti has been the most consistent and most regularly impressive defender, although he does it quietly. I don't know why people don't really speak about him enough. And I'm guilty of that as well. But... Caldara's return to Atalanta is going to be huge. Um, but it's quite nice, Kev, from a Bergamasco perspective, 
for a player to leave Atalanta to take a step forward with his career, be shipped from Juve to Milan, and then go from Milan to Atalanta and that to be a step up to play in the Champions League, it's a sign of the times. I, I saw the Twitter outrage, Connor. In your, in your piece, you said step, you said step forward, not step up. I'll support you in step forward. I don't know if I'll uh, support you in step up. How is um, it not a step up? When did Milan but, last finish ahead of Atalanta and Serie A? Okay. Okay. I'll, for the moment, it's a step up. But, uh, yeah. Because Milan's future is so will take well, step forward. I'm trying to be. Uh, I'm trying to be diplomatic. Have you seen AC Milan, Kev? I mean, oh, over yeah. the last decade. Oh no, yeah, they're well. We well, we've spoke uh, at length on them being an absolute mess, um, and they've resorted to just buying back old players that will take some headlines away from them. And uh, they um, quite charitably took someone care off us as well, off Atalanta, who couldn't get a look in. Or Atalanta, Milan, we'll have them. That's nice. Thanks for that. Atalanta have upgraded. Caldera's upgraded. But I, in all seriousness, I do think Kier's a good defender. And I, I was quite happy when Atalanta signed him. So I wish him well. But yeah, anyway, that's enough. I, they already hate me. I don't know why I did that. They already hate me. I can just see them now. My, my Twitter notifications might hurt a little bit this week. But what's next? Lazio well, next. Last can we, what? Can we pause one second on Inter? Uh, if you want. Well, no, you know, we've just we've just gushed over Atalanta's performance. Do you want to dissect Inter's problems? Well, no, not really, but just to say that Inter obviously have lost their, you know, the uh, not advantage, but you know, being um, keeping pace with Juve at the weekend, and lots of people saw that as them dropping points, and I think it does a bit of a disservice to who they were playing. You know, with Atalanta being so strong in Serie A as they have been over the last couple of years. And I think it's just worth noting that Inter didn't necessarily throw anything away against uh, this this weekend because there will be tougher tests to come for Juve as well. Um, for people to think that the total race is suddenly over and we're about to get on to Lazio, we're also going really, really strong. I think people, anybody listening to this that doesn't watch Serie A regularly shouldn't get too despondent that this is the end of the total race. And is it not worth... I- on that note, though, is it not worth pointing out that Inter were at home against Atalanta? They went 1-0 up inside a few minutes, whereas Juve had to go to Bergamo. Juve went 1-0 down with little over half an hour left. Juve won 3-1. Oh, no, absolutely, against the same opposition. But, you know, they will go to... Um, they will still go to uh, Torino, which is a local rival for them, which wouldn't necessarily be a big rival for Inter you know you've got, you've still got lots of, there's still lots of time left in this Serie A for there's, there to be a race on I agree thinking, I just saw a lot on social media of this almost being the you know that's it Juve have taken over again they're now two points ahead and that's going to be the end of it and I just don't, don't think that's um, that's the case I'm sorry to say, I do actually think it probably not that it's the end of it but I think it's quite damning Juve to beat up having not been that great all season they've still not really adapted to what Sarri wants them to do but they're, they're still top and I don't know any given week I feel like Inter are still more likely to drop points than Juve are maybe it's just because I've been conditioned to think that way over the last what eight seasons but 
No, I think the I think the Scudetto is Juve's again. Maybe I'm just defending my prediction. I think you are because isn't it? Haven't Inter been the winter champions like the last two seasons and so they've been winter champions quite a lot recently. They've been top at this point of the season quite a lot recently. They were top at this point under Spalletti and was it Mancini as well who had them as winter champions and second half of the season they just fold. So I don't think the real the sign of what Conte has done is in the first half of the season. We'll see in March if Inter are still up there. Well then, okay, fine. But I don't know. Vito, anything to add? Well, where Inter's concerned, I think once again, it's just a show that uh, the midfield depth is concerning. Uh, one particular player I want to point out is Stefano Sensi. At the start of the season, he was absolutely sensational. Covered a lot of ground. It was important to the attacking play with his passing. he basically shoot on sight and chip in with a few goals. But I think now... Um, it looks like he's not fully match fit, so he might be able to keep the simple pass and uh, play simple options, but I don't think he's offering the same dynamicism as he did earlier in the season before he got injured. If he can improve, then maybe there's some hope, but if you're going to keep relying on Matisse Vecino and Roberto Gagliardini, I think that's going to be detrimental for the Nerazzurri's total hopes. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Anyway, Lazio, they're fun. You know, I had arranged for Alistair McKenzie to to make an appearance on this podcast in light of what Lazio did. But I think he must still be out because I've not heard from him in two days. Um, Poor Alistair. I I worry for his health and safety. So, Alistair, um, drop me a message when you hear this, please, because I'm quite concerned for your safety down there in Rome. But they won, again, they beat Napoli 1-0. They left it late again. But as I said last week, nobody scores more late goals than Lazio. And Jerome Kev, he had a helping hand or or two from Ospina and then Giovanni Di Lorenzo. But, I mean, they just keep finding a way to win, don't they? Yeah, Ospina was, well, it was every reason on show as to why <laughs> Arsenal got rid of him and probably other teams have, have let him move on as well. What he was attempting, I have no idea. Um, just just play the ball out. Uh, I thought they were a little bit... I think from one angle, actually, it looks like the, the ball is definitely going in. But the, the way that the defender oh. trying to clear the ball strikes it into the net, I thought, well, give it to him for the effort alone. It's but, unbelievable. Uh, Chiro it? have his goal. Because the ball is... It is going in, but... I mean, De Laurentiis is a professional footballer. Why can't he kick the ball properly in that position? If a ball comes to him like that anywhere else on the pitch, he controls it and plays a pass. Does he just panic because of where he is? Absolutely, because I think he wasn't under any immediate pressure. There were players around, but he could have just stopped the ball. You know, just just take a, a control touch rather than just trying to fracture it out of the Stadio Olimpico. Or even side foot it back in that general direction and then deal with the next rebound. But to just... I mean, it's funny because he absolutely leathers it. He's about, what, half a yard off his line and he just thumps it into the goal. It's, it's amazing. If you've not seen it, I don't know what you're listening to the podcast, but if you haven't, 
go watch it. But Vito, one of the things I wanted to speak to Alistair about was the fact that he wrote after this game that Lazio smashed teams. They just about beat teams. They beat teams late after wearing them down. They're winning in different ways. And that is a sign of a team who can go really, really far. And given they've not got any European football, they've only got Serie A to focus on. I mean, sky's the limit. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There are a lot of things that are going in their favor now. And also... Because of uh, the fact that they are winning in different ways, that's probably one of the best things about teams who can win the Scudetto in Serie A. I mean, obviously, Juve have done it for the last eight years, but even before that, usually usually teams have to have those extra methods or more than just one plan to secure the title. Uh, Napoli, they tried with a plan A under Sarri for many years, and it was a fantastic plan A, but there wasn't much of a plan B going on and the lack of depth as well as that sort of lack of tactical variation or diversity, if you like, I think that counted against them. Uh, this team under Inzaghi has been together for a few years. They've made a few worthwhile additions as well. And uh, if they can, uh, you know, change things up or adapt to different circumstances, um, yeah, it's like they can beat anyone any given day. Uh, like I said a few times, I think it's only if they suffer some really serious injuries to key players, that's why I think they they could have a slip. Yeah, Kev, you look at the squad, it's no different from last season's uh, Lazio. You could argue that under Simone and Zaghi, they've actually lost some of their better players over the years. and This is the best team we've seen from them. Is it just the process of time has made these players understand each other better and now they're performing better as a team? Or... Or what? Because I don't see any reason why they're so much better this season than last, but the proof's there. They are. Yeah, they've certainly improved. I think there is um, there's a lot to be said for maintaining a squad of players, even if you you have a few um, departures. You know, sometimes too many arrivals can cause more harm than actually just sticking with what you've got. And 
feeling that they can, you know, they can add 10, 15% to their game and actually sort of see them through that improvement pro, um, process. I don't want to say they've been lucky, um, but, you know, they've, they've, they've won 10 um, in a row now. Is that right? Yes. I'm thinking about something that I've read, I'm sure. Correct. Um, and and Jokosha had a great game on uh, on Saturday evening. You know, he made he made some a number of saves from um, from Napoli players. So sort of then grinding those results out, I think builds that confidence and then adds to that improvement. And I, I just my concern would be rather if they were to lose a game and if that was to snowball. But like you said a moment ago, without the uh, European football if you've got that sort of weeks period between maybe a defeat, you've got time to recover your, you know, your thoughts, if anything else, and actually regroup and then look to the next game. Cause they've got the, they've got the Rome Derby coming up in two weeks time, um, which will be a test of if they can keep this winning run going, okay. kind, of, kind of ignoring whoever they've got this week because it's not in front of me. Uh, you love an overly optimistic prediction. Where are Lazio finishing this season? I oddly enough, although I'm trying to defend my prediction of Inter winning the league, I see, the those, league? <laughs> I see the uh, well. No, I, I think they could overtake them if mm. if they can. Not necessarily not going to keep their winning run going indefinitely, but um, if they can continue like this and Inter maybe have a few more setbacks, they might even finish second this year. Well, I think that... the top three now get the get within the you know the Champions League places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the top three are nailed on to finish as the top three in whatever order. Lazio do play the free scorers of this weekend in Serie A. They play Sampdoria next week, so that'll be a test for them down in Rome. But, I mean, they're playing in Rome until February because, obviously, they've got the derby, which is technically an away game, I think. But it's worked out quite nicely for them. They could be in a very, very strong place come mid-February, and then who knows what happens. It's going to be fun anyway. That's for sure. Moving on. Where was I tonight? I was at Parma. Parma Lecce. Parma won 2-0. And it was coming. It was, it was a difficult first half. They struggled to break Lecce down. Despite having all of the ball. Lecce had maybe five minutes where they were allowed to leave their half. But other than that, Parma bossed them. And Vito, I think Parma are actually quite a good side. And I don't think anyone gives them enough credit for it. Parma have more or less slid under the radar. I suppose we probably give them a little bit of praise, but I think in general they're a much maligned side. And maybe it's also because they don't have the star names that they had in the 90s or even some of the stars they had in the 2000s. A lot of them are more or less players that have Serie A experience, but they're not greats of the game. And then there are a few players that... Uh, that have come up the divisions with Parma since they reformed. Uh, they're really drills, really well drilled side under Roberto D'Aversa too. And I think he's an important part of getting the best out of the squad at his disposal. And now in January with some midfield reinforcements, they might be able to sustain a mid-table finish. Do you know what? I was looking at their bench tonight and they've had their injury problems this season. <laughs> they played most of the season without a striker. So the midfielders, they were basically six in the team. But on the bench tonight, it was quite strong. They had Cornelius who came on and scored. Gaston Brugman, who 
I've been very impressed with this season. Scott Sorella, who was important for them last season. Gervinho was on the bench. I mean, it was quite good, as well as Dermaku at the back. Their bench is solid for the first time. They've quite quietly gone about building a decent squad that could finish mid-table in Serie A for a couple of seasons and then with a couple of additions do that little bit more. Obviously, losing Kuluzewski in the summer is going to be huge, but while he's there, enjoy him for all he's worth because they're not going to have another player like that, you would imagine, for a while. But Kev, they're good. And I think it was very, very important for them this week to keep a clean sheet after what happened to them last week. So uncharacteristically to get thumped 5-0 at Atalanta. To keep a clean sheet this weekend against Lecce was, was key and they did it. Yeah, they've got that sort of resolute defensive uh, resolve now in place. I saw the I saw the tears from you over Christmas while I was sipping a beer on, a, on a sunny beach over Kulisevsky going and I kind of thought oh, he yeah. was gone gone from now and then when I realised that he'd actually you know they've retained him for the rest of the season is a massive plus and I think when we're talking about where Lazio are going to finish I can't see the top five changing now but the league's almost splitting into those three those three pockets now of teams that are going to be challenging for Champions League then your middle your middle group and your relegation zone and Palmer in that sort of that group in the middle area now that are playing for like one European place and the way Cagliari are still falling down, if Palmer can continue to stop the ball going in one end and, and get those strikers back, then they can maybe maybe look at pinching sick. Yeah, my tears were because I did actually initially think Kulusevski was gone from now. And I, was, I wasn't angry, Kev. I was just disappointed with him because I, I <laughs> thought he was more intelligent than that. And I, I've been proven right. He was more intelligent than to leave now. But yeah, I completely agree with that. It, it should, a point of note, a point of caution perhaps, is that they were in a very similar position last season, I remember. And then from about January to April, they just kind of had their feet up. And then all of a sudden they were in a relegation battle again and were panicking. But one thing that stands to them is Diversa, before this game in his press conference, said, look, this is a relegation fight. Make no mistakes about it. And I was kind of thinking, huh? Palmer. Palmer are now seventh. I don't see how this is a relegation fight, but he's keeping their heads on. They are, what, 14 points clear of relegation. So they'll be okay. You would just hope they can continue this form because that sixth spot is definitely up for grabs. Milan should improve. They they should. Napoli should improve. And those guys are just, what, four points behind them. So four, five, no, three, four, I can't count. Three and four points behind them, respectively. So they're going to have to keep it up. But I don't know. I quite fancy it. I think they're good, especially if they can keep their players fit. It's so important for them. Cornelius and Roberto Inglese need to be playing for this team to function properly because when when Kuchka plays up top, he does a job, but it's not his position. He obviously can't do it as well as those guys can. And they do miss that point of reference when they need it. I thought Inglese, given that he hadn't started a game for, I think, three months, before tonight, I thought he did very well. He put himself about, made some mistakes, fine, but he's back and he did well. And then Cornelius to come on and get the goal is very, very important for them. Vito, have you got a prediction for Parma? Ooh. 
Um, look, at this stage, not sure about how high they'll finish, but I'll say I don't think they'll finish lower than 10th. I th- I'm sure they would snatch that out of your hands. But they, they signed Jasmine Kortic as well. A big signing because he was effective for Atalanta in the year they got into the Europa League and went to Spal, did okay. Hasn't played too much this season, but I think he'll do well. He started in the midfield three today, which I thought was quite curious, given that Kuchka is a midfielder and Kortic likes to play where Kuchka was playing today. So I would imagine over time that will... That will change. Kuchka will probably drop back into the midfield and Kurtic, if he's going to be starting every week, will be as part of the two alongside Kuluzewski behind Bobby English or the big Danish man. I've forgotten his name. Andreas Cornelius. I'd imagine that's where he will play going forward. Anyway, um, all of AC Milan's problems are solved, Kev, because they beat Cagliari 2-0. Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored and he's the best player in the world and they're going to win Serie A next season. Yeah, that's what the Milan fans would like to believe. But I think even the the most hardened Milan fan would accept that this is kind of uh, papering over the cracks and maybe one of those signings. I know obviously you spoke about this last week when he came back, but one of those signings that is is more for the the PR machine than it is for the team. I kind of as obviously he's, he's aging. He's still got that quality that, that Zlatan will probably always have in those legs. But um, I just see moves like this as a bit of a, a bit of a step backwards when you're trying to find, you know, we've always, we've, we've spoken for weeks and weeks and weeks about the, the la- lack of quality throughout the squad. So maybe you need to build a team that is, is better than the sum of its parts. And this almost just resolves back to the, the superstar uh, oh, there was a there was one of the players. I think it might have been uh, Sammy Castelleo, who said, "Oh, we've got a we've got a new tactic, which is just give the ball to Zlatan and and, and let him do everything." And that's exactly not what I'd want to be hearing from some of my players. <laughs> Almost taken down tools now because you know the big Swedes turned up. Yeah. Sorry, that's turned into a bit of a rant, but it's you know I think it's with with good intention. No, I said that last week as well. It- it very much seemed like that was a tactic because Ibra came on and they just all thought, oh, put the ball at his feet and let him do something. He's 38 years old. He's not Give him the ball in the box and he'll score, sure. It's kind of like what Robbie Keane became at the end of his career. He couldn't do anything. But if the ball happens to come to him, he can score goals. And I, I think as well as the, the PR side of it, he's quite useful for the likes of Rafael Leao. Uh, for Piontek too, if Piontek stays, they can learn a lot from him, and you would hope that he'll be used wisely. I love the um. I didn't mention this last week, but the hashtag is back. I Z back, and that doesn't work, right? As an English thing, is back doesn't work, but that's clearly they've just translated it badly because they never use the subject in Italian. So that as an Italian thing actually would work, but in English. You, you need to say, he is back, and then it's fine. But because Italians don't do that, they've obviously just not done it in English, and it's terrible. But it's funny because all of the players are like Zlatan's little lap dogs now. I saw Teo Hernandez, apparently the best left-back in Serie A, was tweeting that just the hashtag is back. And I was oh, this is pathetic. It's unbelievable. But I don't know. I love Ibrahimovic. So it is nice to have him in Serie A. But Vito, it's all gone wrong for Cagliari. 
just gone so, so terribly wrong. They've lost four games in a row now. And look, last week I talked about the quality of the opposition that they played, but at the moment it doesn't look like Rolando Marana and his squad can turn it around. Uh, the way they played against AC Milan, uh, they looked more lethargic than usual and they weren't as uh, energetic as they had been in previous games. They had a lot of trouble just trying to get the ball into the opposition half. And uh, look, I think Milan overall didn't play a bad game. It was one of the better performances of the season. But uh, Coyote don't look anywhere as impressive as they were until, you know, last month. So... Unfortunately, it's one of those things with smaller sides. They have a good run, but in the second half of the season, they just tend to drop off. And the last month is probably a sign that they will continue dropping, unfortunately. Well, Kev must have seen what I was about to ask next because he just dropped out of the conversation. We're going to move on to Sampdoria, but I want to wait to see if he returns before we do that because, obviously, Fabio Quagliarella scored a couple of goals, Vito. Um, yes. So before we do that, we'll just go briefly to Torino-Bologna because Torino won 1-0. And after what was a slow start to the season for them, things are starting to fall into place quite nicely for them. I suppose that with the early start to the season that they had, that was perhaps a bit troubling for them and they weren't getting the balance right. I must admit that I probably underestimated Wolves in the Europa League too because they've done well in the Premier League. But I think Torino now, this is more or less their level without having to balance European football as well. And in recent weeks, I've seen Mazzari field the team a bit better. I think the 3-4-2-1 that he's using with Belotti up front and then you have Alex Berenguer and Simone Verdi behind him, I think that's... Uh, an ideal setup going forward for the Granata. Yeah, you would think so. That they're very much part of that middle group that Kev was talking about earlier. So who knows? They might even fancy themselves to make a push for that that sixth European place. Talk then next about Fiorentina Spal. This was the first game of the weekend that I went to, and I'm not exaggerating to say this is the worst game I've seen this season since I moved to Italy. I can remember maybe one game that was as bad as this. It was Parma Frosinone last season. It was nil-nil in Parma, and it was, oh, my God, god-awful. But this was terrible. It, it got to the point where the local journalists were laughing at everything Fiorentina did because it was just so, so terrible. It's an absolute mess there. But they got the three points. Giuseppe Iacchini is now unbeaten in his first two games the first time a Fiorentina coach has done that since 2012 but they're a disaster and this win if it's going to do anything it's only going to paper over cracks for them because they've still got problems there Vito it still looks like that the squad they have is uh, not a balanced one and they're just a collection of odd bits and pieces to be honest uh, Montella clearly failed with the football he tried to play and Yakini he's a pragmatist and he's that so-called firefighter coach so I think at the moment results are really the priority because they've really had the share of uh, off on or on-field stability but even off-field until Comiso came in um, there was always that criticism of uh, lack of ambition so 
if uh, Yakini can produce more results, I think that will be ideal in the short term. But long term, uh, there doesn't seem to be much optimism as yet. Oh, they're god awful. They're really, really awful. Kev, can you guess who we're talking about? Fiorentina. Yes, correct. It's a very good answer. Um, no, they're abysmal. They... I noticed they waited for me to go on holiday before they sacked Montella. <laughs> Yeah, they did. Literally, what, like a week after you jetted yeah, not, off? Not long. Um, no, not long at all. But they've got Yakini in now, so all of their problems are solved. No, they're still bad. Um, Spal! Spal! Spal shouldn't have lost this game. They should not have lost this game. But they did. And they lost against a terrible, terrible team. But you know if- what? I still reckon Spal will finish ahead of Fiorentina in the Serie A table this season. Vito, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, if only Velotti managed to score with that solo run, he needs to improve his uh, chipping technique. Maybe watch a bit of Francesco Totti clips. And Do you know what, though? A few that, goals. that was another scandalous decision because that was a corner all day long and the referee gave a goal kick. I don't understand how. It was quite clearly a touch from Dragovski, but... I don't know, Kev, you went all wide-eyed there. Spal are only nine points behind Fiorentina. They're definitely going to finish above them. Uh, but no, it's not looking good for Spal. The whole team were on my train back, actually. Um, Apart from Catania. Well, he, he might have been there, but a couple of the guys had passed me before I realised who it was. You know when you just, like, you notice, like, an atmosphere change where you are? And I noticed that people were just staring Tom, I walk into a room. (laughs) People are who's he's back. Um, But no, then when I looked up, I saw Etric Barisha was the first person I clocked, and then I was was looking out for Patania because I wanted to to talk to him because the players were like saying bits to people that were walking by, and I was like, "Where's where's the big teddy bear?" But he was nowhere to be seen, sadly. And Semplici didn't look best pleased either, so it was probably best that he wasn't there. He might have hit me or something and then my love would have quickly faded for the big man but it wasn't the big Kev before you you ran away on us I think you saw where we were going next because are you nervous because Fabio Quagliarella is now on five Serie A goals for the season so he's only what 15 behind Chiro Mobile he's going to win the Capo Cannonieri race uh, I will happily Bet you a drink or two that he doesn't get 20. Right, he's not going to get 20. But let's take this seriously. There are 19 rounds left. I think Fabio Quagliarella will finish the Serie A season with 13 goals minimum. Too uh, long a pause. Come on, speak. Well, I, I can't. I can't. I was. I was thinking he won't. He'll get one in two uh, top. <laughs> Hit that, right. Hit that if, right I, if I say 15 goals, will you put a beer on it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Qualirella scoring at least 15 goals this season. Yeah. Perfect. Anything less, buy me. See you in the summer, mate. See you in the summer, and you'll be buying me 15 beers, one for every goal. Uh, there's a there's a bet. However many goals he scores, you buy me that number of beers. But anyway, we'll let Vito talk, shall we? Because Sam 3 won 5 1, and they did it against Brescia. <laughs> so. Vito, you must be pleased because a few months ago you wouldn't have seen this happening. Absolutely not. Uh, just based on the scoreline alone, you'd think this was something of the Marco Giampaolo era. 
and uh, with Claudio Ranieri's sides in general, they're generally not very high scoring, especially after the way we played, you know, both under Di Francesco and Ranieri. Uh, to score five was something out of the ordinary, but we had no... We had no McCauley in defence. Fabio De Pauli and Gaston Ramirez came off injured early in that AC Milan game last week. So after Jean Chancellor scored early on and then to respond with five like that, um, very satisfied with the results. And in terms of the performance, it wasn't, you know, slick or elegant like in the Gianpaolo days, but there's that typical Claudio Ranieri-esque fight in the team that you see from his previous sides. And we play with a sense of uh, directness, energy, and determination. So as a team, I thought was fantastic in that aspect. And uh, also there were quite a few good individual performances. Uh, Quagliarello, obviously, with his brace. But Jakub Yankto, the Czech midfielder, was involved in four of the five goals. Uh, Morton Torsby ran his socks off all day. And Carolyn Linetti, he too also had a great performance in midfield, was involved in both goals in the first half and it was someone that may not have the flair of you know conventional attacking midfielders and he's a natural box-to-box midfielder but he did give us a lot of impetus and drive going forward and it didn't matter if he was coming down the middle or going through the wings uh, I think he was very decisive for us as well. Are your relegation concerns starting to ease a little bit now because you're five points clear of Genoa, four ahead of Lecce and very much on the up. I mean, Sampdoria look a much better team than they did. I'm not entirely convinced as yet. The only reason is that next week we have Lazio in Rome and we've had some absolutely shocking results against them recently. So um, I do believe, though, with Ranieri, he'll probably make the team play more defensively than we did in our previous meetings in Rome. So perhaps... uh, you know, also against one of his old rivals, considering he mm. was a Roma coach and a former Roma player. So maybe we will do well against Aquile. But, um, you know, it's just the old cliche. I'm just taking it one game at a time. And, of course, even on the field, there are still a bit of flaws, especially with Manolo Gabbiadini. I thought last two rounds he's been terrible with his shooting. And then you get Gianluca Camp. Caprari, came back from suspension, and he scored in less than two minutes. So... Yeah, I think Gabbiadini needs to step up again. Yeah, it probably takes a bit of time out of the team. Caprari and Quagliarella, more than good enough to lead the line for a bit while Gabbiadini sorts himself out, you'd imagine. Um, Udinese beat Sassuolo 3 0. Yeah, that happened. And Verona beat Genoa 2 <laughs> 1. Kev, I'll go to you. Genoa are in the bottom three. They don't look like they're getting out of it anytime soon. No, absolutely. It's. Um... Unlike their Genovese uh, neighbours, it looks like they're going to struggle continuously for the rest of this season. Even I, I, I only realised when uh, watching the game that they uh, dragged Mattia Perim back from Juventus. Um, it said with an option to buy, which I can't see happening if Genoa go down. Um, but he did have he did have quite a solid um, early display. He sort of kept the minute um, under pressure from Verona. But I don't I just don't think that will be enough. They need to find more goals at the other end. Uh, as well, also trying to stop them going in. I was absolutely shocked that he was still at Juve because obviously they brought Buffon back and I just assumed Perrin had gone somewhere else and I'd missed it or something, but no, he was he was still just there. I wonder yeah. what he's been doing. 
Absolutely. If that's not the signal to leave when the club you're at, who's has put some um, hope in you being their new goalkeeper, then reverts back to their 41-year-old uh, legend. Yeah, I would have thought he would have gone as soon as Buffon had arrived, but um, he's had his injury troubles, hasn't he? Yeah, their 41-year-old legend, who it's worth saying, hasn't actually been that good for two or three years. He makes a lot of mistakes now or does a lot of things that he would never have done or doesn't do things that he would have done previously. But anyway, uh, Perrin, one of the better goalkeepers Italy have available to them when he's playing regularly. So you would hope he'll get back to his best there, even if it means Genoa's results improve. I'm sorry, Vito. We've come to the end, mm-hmm. guys. We've we've gone on for quite a while. <laughs> I heard that groan, Mr. Doria. But we we have come to an end. Thank you all for listening. Head over to fourthitalianfootball.com. As always, read everything we do. Coppa Italia games are being played this week. Um, Fiorentina play Atalanta at home on Wednesday. At guess what time, Kev? On a Wednesday I know what, during a working I, I've, week. I've seen this because it's good for me. Because it it's well because because I have a third screen in my office and uh, <laughs> I I can pop this on at two p.m. I think. UK time and then I can watch the next game after it and then I can watch the next game after that when I get home so I think it's 3pm local time it is 3pm yeah yeah Yeah, Uh, so perfect for me Napoli play Perugia on Tuesday at 3pm Lazio Cremonese at 6 Inter Cagliari at quarter to 9 and then on Wednesday we've got Fiorentina Atalanta at 3 o'clock that's a disgrace Milan Spal at 6 is bad enough um and then Juventus Udinese at quarter to nine. And then they've invented a kickoff time for the game here in Parma on Thursday night. Quarter past nine kickoff. Um, well, I don't quite get. That's going to be so cold. It was cold tonight, and this is half an hour later. I'm not looking forward to that, but I'll be there anyway. We just had that in the UK, actually. Which? Uh, the quarter past nine for Amazon Prime. I don't know what market they were going for, but that was the first time we had it in the UK this season. Maybe it's something along those lines. I've not looked into yeah. the coverage of the Coppa Italia this season, but I'll, I'll check it out. Um, all right. Head over to the website, read everything we do, read my feature about Mattia Caldara. And I'm going to... Sh- oh, I have something for you to write, Kev, but I've completely forgotten it. Anyway, goodbye. Ciao, ciao. Fuck. Bye. What happened to your Do
una curva in festa come un abbraccio noi e ancora non ci basta ogni pagina nuova sai sarà ancora la storia di tutti noi solo chi corre può fare di te quello che sei Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.